What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Laying the Points with Farley Betts. And that's it. No, 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 that's not it. And Bobo Betts here after another fresh, uh, impressive win by the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm off. Uh, close but lousy loss for the New York Giants on Monday Night Football. So automatically, our moods are probably different, but our moods are probably even more different. I mean, I'm okay. It's Tuesday. I'm, I'm over the weekend, Steve. But our moods could be even more different because, Steve, I know you had a fantastic week. Let's start with the bad news. We'll get me out of the way. I got my ass kicked. Um, been very transparent about that. I think that was the least profitable NFL weekend I've ever had. So that was exciting, very fun. Uh, you know, just like regression, though, you're excited to get back on the on the mend and back to the mean. And I'm looking forward to this week as that shit will not continue. However, Steve Norman, how did you do in week three? Um, you know, it went it went um pretty well for me. Had um You can for, brag, Steve. Uh, you can brag. <laughs> for my premium to put out put an eight and two record, I limited it. A little bit trying to not over, uh, you know, over involve myself to having like 15 games out there, but hit a couple parlays that ended up going well. It's kind of a kind of a weird week in the NFL uh, with some some calls we saw, some weird bounces go some teams' ways, and I, I uh, I'm at a 20 uh, 22 and 13 record now with uh, eight and a half units on the season, so. Uh, Hopefully maintain that pace, but man, I tell you what, it's a week to week league and it's how, what have you done for me lately? So, you know, it was fun, but already behind me and I'm trying to focus in on this week now. Yeah. This is what Steve did a lot last year. At one point he was like hitting at like 64% or something and he was up like 30 units in a few weeks. And he's like, yeah, I mean, just another week. Like, uh, so I, 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 I appreciate the humility. You got to be humble in this game because things could go the other way very quickly. That's but, the thing. I know it yeah. can go, it can go so bad so quick in one <laughs> week. You know, I mean, yeah. you can go eight, you can go eight and two, and then two and eight. So you just gotta, you know, just, just trust your process and stay humble because I feel like with us as sports betters, we're like we're kind of like kickers in the sense that like people will love you when you're doing great, but if you miss. You mess up, you're done. <laughs> like they hate you. <laughs> yeah, that's true, Steve. The uh, old eight and two, two and eight could be. I, I hope I get an eight and two next week. I'll just put it that way. But let's move on. It is week four. You're listening to Laying the Points, which is brought to you at the Oddsbreakers through the channel of theoddsbreakers.com. Check us out at theoddsbreakers.com. This might be the time to get Steve Norman's packages at Bobo Bets. You can follow him at Bobo Bets. You can follow me at Farley Bets and all the work of the 33rd team, BetUS, etc. Uh, we are here. We're staying busy. And let's get to it, Steve. It's another big slate. 16 games on the docket. No rest for the weary. Let's start with this funky Miami Dolphins at Cincinnati Bengals game. Thursday night football. This line is up to four on the Bengals. Totals at 47. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, I think the lines um the lines moving for a reason. Tua's status is kind of up in the air. Not really sure. We don't kind of feel like we don't have the full story of what's going on down in Miami. Everyone's talk of the town right now. Talk of uh, social media is we all saw it. Tua going down, hitting his head, getting up wobbly, collapsing, and then being able to come back in that game. It's with today's NFL, today's protocols something we've never seen before like that happened with how strict they are regarding player safety and concussions. So, so I feel like something shady's going on there because we're not stupid and you can't tell me otherwise that that was a back injury or, and then an ankle injury on top of that. Now, like you, you don't, don't respond that way. You don't grab your head that way. So there's going to be some investigations, obviously, as they've talked about, but, there's a, it's a, it's a media, a little bit of a media storm with Miami right now. And you just don't like that extra added uh, pressure short week. Now they had to play really tough, really, really tough against the bills and that, that heat. So you kind of feel like this Miami team probably going to have maybe a little bit of regression this week. And if it is Ted, Teddy Bridgewater going, I feel like the Bengals just had a nice kind of get right type of game against the jets and being at home Thursday night football, I can see why this line has been moving 
from three up to four now. Yeah, the line movement is there for a reason. Um, I got to say, I'm, I'm impressed the way that Mike McDaniel has handled it, just being very direct. We did multiple concussion protocols, and he didn't have a concussion. So, I mean, I, you know, it is what it is. At the same time, this line is telling us that the Miami Dolphins could get blown out in this contest. And that's because they're coming off that emotional game. Their defense was on the field for 40 minutes of that game, two-thirds of that game, in the Miami Heat, in the South Florida Sun. Obviously an emotional win for them, but still it takes a lot out of you. Two is banged up. Um, and, and this is a game that, that you know, if, if there's any game where maybe they could rest somebody or just not show their entire playbook, this is probably it. They're in a good position. I don't think any team in the NFL tanks. They're going to try and win. But the Cincinnati Bengals are just set up way better at home. So the only way you can look in this one, I think, is the Bengals. I gave out a same-game parlay in this to my premium customers that I really like. Um, but I'll just leave it at that. You can only look at the Bengals here, I think. All right, Vikings at the Saints. Well, let me just pause for a second, Steve, because I think that this is a teachable moment, too. Just to go back to the Dolphins and Bengals game. Like, if you're Joe Public, if you're just a rando, and you look at this game, you're like, oh, the Dolphins are 3-0. and The Bengals have been stumbling and bumbling, right? right. So, like, the average the, the, the average listener or the new better, it doesn't quite make sense. So, hopefully, by everything you just heard me and Steve say, this is red flagged for a reason. You don't have to bet on the Bengals, but do not bet on the Dolphins. I'll just, I'll just put it that way. All right. Vikings at the Saints, but not really at the Saints because it's going to be in London uh, or the Vikings and the Saints in an interesting matchup here. Saints off that sloppy game, totals at 44, under his juice. Kind of agree with that. These games in London can be sloppy. Uh, teams make a lot of mistakes in that weird stadium. But I don't know, Steve. Uh, this is down to two and a half at some books, but it's at three at other books still, I believe. Um, I snagged the three already. I like that line for the Saints. Listen. Uh, a lot of mistakes last week. Jameis Winston, three turnovers, you know, blocked field goal. Field goal returned for a touchdown. They still vastly outgained the Panthers. Uh, Chris Olave looks good. Um, you know, it, it just feels like one of those spots, like, where the Saints can at least keep this game close. They kind of have to, I think. Their they're backs are up against the wall, kind of like the Panthers were last week. Uh, you know, Jameis Winston does not look good. I'll put it that way. And the fractures in the back are a concern. But you can run on this Vikings team. And Alvin Kamara is a little warmed up. And it's Kirk Cousins over there in London. Who the hell knows what he's going to do? So, I don't know. Uh, I got I liked it at three. I don't like it less at two and a half. But I think the only way I can look here is to say slight lean to the under. What do you got here, Steve? Yeah, I mean, you're kind of saying it. Uh what's Kirk Cousins going to do? What's Jameis Winston going to do? I mean, this is a battle of kind of up and down quarterbacks. We we don't really know, you know, who's going to get right quicker. You kind of like to see the Saints maybe feel like they, they have more ur urgency right now. Vikings, on the other hand, let's be honest, watching that game last week, I felt like they were completely dominated, outclassed by the Lions, but they found yep. a way to hang out, hang in there, and then come back at the end. Dalvin Cook is a, is banged up. Not sure if he's going to be a full go. Especially adding the element, the travel to London with both of these teams, types of quarterbacks we're talking about. This this might be a type, one of those games that you might fade. Also, I'm looking at the, the total. You would think Vikings Saints before the season started, and it's only at 44. You would think this would be up in the 50s, around 54 maybe. And the, and the total is just looking really low, so – this could be an ugly game, and lately I I haven't seen since week, week one. I really thought Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson, that connection was going to be strong, and we haven't seen it since week one. So which team's going to get right quicker? Both traveling. Kind of with you on this one, Saints getting points. Might have more urgency for that one. Yeah, and I think the Vikings expected – to win last week, right? They just like think, oh, mm -hmm. this is the Vikings. We're at home. This is the Lions. Of course, we're going to beat their ass. Lions are a different team, right? And that's what we said. We almost had them in our circuit card, but we took it off for that reason. Uh, so, you know, making adjustments as we as we watch these teams more. Maybe that's an angle to play on in the future too, Steve. Vikings motivated in a good spot like they were in week one against the Packers. They really want to show out. Maybe they do on offense. And some of these other games, maybe not. So, and, you know, the Kirk Cousins story uh, continues. 
Titans at the Colts, divisional game. Should be a close game, I would imagine. That's what the line indicates anyway. Colts are minus three, totals at 42 and a half. What do you got here, Steve? Yeah, wild game for the Colts last week. Uh, still shocked that they were able to pull that one off. I mean, a lot of weird things that you I know you'll talk about happened in that game <laughs> for them to get put in that position. But um, at the end of the day, you can only go by what you, your win and loss column and for the Colts, your tie column as well. But they're, uh, that might have been a, maybe a little bit of a jump spot, uh, start to get them going this season. Tennessee's coming off a nice win against the Raiders at home. Kind of let the Raiders come back in a little bit near the, the end, but they were able to held on, hold on at the end there. Um, for me, I look back at last year when we saw the, the uh, Titans were able to get the Colts uh, both times last season. But specifically being in Indiana, that game went to overtime. And just looking at this Titans team, there's some regression from last year. They're not they're not as polished off. They obviously I think miss AJ Brown. They finally started to see Derrick Henry get going last week. And for me, the Colts team is pretty much the same. I don't think they've gotten uh, worse. I don't think they've gotten better since last year. I think they're about the same. So. That game last year went to overtime in Indy. They're at minus three this time. Kind of lean towards the Colts. I think if they can get Jonathan Taylor going and possibly if Leonard is back, that could be a big impact player for them to help limit Henry. And we all know with the Titans, if you can limit Henry, you're going to have success. So that should just be their game plan and focus. Yeah, I'm thinking a little bit differently about this one. And, uh, well, I guess I'll talk about the Colts last week too. Uh, Yeah. I mean, I said it at the 3013 podcast on Monday. So if you didn't hear me say it there, I'll say it here. Uh, there was just an amalgamation of events that happened in that game that it, that was just like, I mean, I'm sitting there and I'm just saying over and over to myself, are you fucking kidding me? Over and over and over again. Because what happened? All week, that line is moving down, moving down towards the Colts, towards the Colts. And then, and then we have special teams debacle one, special teams debacle two, muffing punts, missing field goals, going for a fake field goal, screwing it up. Um, they just did everything possible to, 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 you know, open up the door, roll out the red carpet for the Colts to win that game. So, listen, I don't love conspiracy theories. I'm not a theorist like that. At the same time, you know, these sharps are moving down the line. It seemed inevitable that it was going to happen. It's just one of those things in the NFL where you scratch your head. But there's a really good example of where something like that probably should have happened in another game, and it didn't. So I guess it doesn't check out across the board. But good Lord, Steve, that was disappointing. And this game, Titans and Colts. Um, yeah, so for me, face value, I just think these are two even teams. So you're going to give me plus three on the Titans. I just don't think the Colts are very good still. They didn't do much to win that game last week and you know the the Colts have not beat the Titans at home since 2018 for whatever reason the Titans roll in there they're confident you know Derrick Henry if they can get the power run game going it'll it'll benefit them they they did get it going he looked a lot better last week they facilitated the running backs a lot better last week Robert Woods came alive and Shaq Leonard uh from the reports I read Frank Reich just isn't very confident that he's ready to play like he was commenting saying that his movement is just off it's not quite there yet so if he plays he could be a liability if that's true uh you know Shaq Leonard is a game changer for sure but that's assuming he's at 100 percent. I don't think he is but you know what's interesting in this game too at 42 and a half you have defensive linemen like Bud Dupree another guy in the Titans that I, his name I can't pronounce that are injured they're probably going to be out for this game too I think we could see some points in this game. I think both teams could have success in the run game, which opens up the passing game. It's in a dome. So kind of like the over 42 and a half. Check out my total redemption video at the Hammer Network. I'm going to talk about that game a little bit more, but I think that's a good spot maybe for an over, some regression. We're seeing a lot of unders here in the NFL too. All right, Chicago Bears at the New York Football Giants. The Giants are three and a half, totals at 39. Um, Listen, I'll say a few things about the Giants. The Giants are the Giants, first of all. They have a better offense, but they're still not going to score many points. I just No one's going to convince me of that because they just don't – because too much of their offense relies on Daniel Jones. And, and not all this stuff is Daniel Jones' fault. He's put in tough positions. They are extremely thin 
at wide receiver. I mean, now Sterling Shepard's done for the season. That, that I mean, that might be his career. And Kenny Galladay, we saw what he's made of as part of the Giants. He's not in a good place. Maybe Kadarius Tony comes back this week, which would be a great thing for the Giants. But I'll tell you, they do not look good against the run. I mean, in seasons past, one of the good things about the Giants is you could depend on them at least being a good run-stopping defensive line. Cowboys looked really good against them. I mean, the Pans- the Panthers looked good about against them. So, I, you know, this Bears team, they're one of the best running teams in the NFL. They don't try and pass the ball. It's very predictable, but it's almost like an Army-Navy type situation. You know, Justin Fields is a more dynamic quarterback still, I think, than Daniel Jones. He's more confident. Give me three and a half. I'm probably going to take the Bears here. I think the Giants are the better organization right now. But Daniel Jones, man, he was pressured. Something historic in that game against the Cowboys, like, 21, 25 times, like hit, banged up, sacked. You know, he's got to be hurting. He's heading back home. Um, I just I, – I, I, I feel for DJ because he's he's tougher than I thought, but too much of the offense runs through him, and he's not Josh Allen. So it's not it's not working. I would lean towards the under in this one. It could be some uh, rain, def- definitely going to be some wind, and I lean towards the Bears. What do you got here, Steve? Yeah, I just think that – because I saw that stat about – how much Daniel Jones was pressured and, and hit that game, like an astronomical amount, and they were still yeah. able to stay in that game. So it says a lot, because I don't think Chicago is going to be able to get the same type of pressure Dallas will. And watching Chicago against Houston last week, Houston lost that game. Chicago really didn't put themselves in a position to win it, other yeah. than Mills getting tip a tip ball at the very end that was interesting by the linebacker and also had some red zone opportunities that another tip ball in the red zone losing points there so I don't really and then and then we saw fields errant throws not 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 on target at all when he does throw the the talk of uh the Giants right now is you know they, they were able to bring in Martindale from the Ravens good defensive coordinator I just think that we know what Chicago is going to do predictable with the run. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to, they're good at running the ball. You have a good defensive mind here. I think just the giants coming off that loss Monday night, will be able to bounce back, protect Daniel Jones a little more. And yeah, well, they lost Sterling Shepard, but as we've seen, we got guys like Sills taking over instead of Galladay. Galladay had what three targets last night. They're not even using Galladay. So they don't, this whole wide receiver core, they're, they're going, they're just, they're going, might probably have Slayton coming back. Back in now, I guess. Yeah. But hopefully, hopefully Tony's back. But I mean, it's an ugly game, and and the fact that the the Giants are still three and a half favorites with a decimated wide receiver, or I mean, if they could just get uh, Saquon Barkley going, let him run the ball, and it just becomes a uh, just a running running game. And lean to the the under on this one. I hope you're right. I hope you're right about the time, Steve. All right, Bills at the Ravens. Ravens are now plus three, was three and a half earlier today. Uh, I mean, again, when I say this, so these lines are according to Bet Online. You might find a book that still is three and a half, but looking at Bet Online, we got three. Totals at 51 and a half. What do you got here, Steve? Yeah, this one is interesting to me because we see the Ravens at home getting three. And my first instinct is well, that feels like a trap. But we know the Bills are kind of banged up defensively. We'll see how much they can get right this week. Um, for me, the the Patriots kind of – I mean, the, the Ravens kind of let the Patriots hang around a, a little too much than I thought was, was worthy. Yeah. Uh, the, I, the, uh, the Patriots were – obviously, they're, they're just not that – they're not that good. We, Mac Jones, to, they made him – the Ravens made Mac Jones look kind of like a superstar for a little bit in that game, and I didn't really appreciate it, him dancing around and everything. <laughs> it just – it really rubbed me the wrong way. Like, you're you're not good, man. And <laughs> and then you look at the Bills, and they had a really tough game at Miami, that weather. I mean, Josh Allen looked exhausted. They weren't able to even focus enough to get up and spike the ball to try to force a field goal there at the end. So – and and they're still favored by three going on the road again to uh, Baltimore. I, I'm just I'm leaning on the Bills, but I don't feel as confident because we know these are the type of games that Lamar can get up for him with 
with his athletic ability and man, what he's been showing with his arm talent this year right now, maybe the Ravens plus three at home is a, is, is the right side. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm going to touch this one. It's just too tough. I'm sure it's, I mean, three feels right for me. That's where I would put it. You got to give the bills credit. They're still what they are. Right. But the Ravens are at home. So probably a field goal game uh, or just a close game to the end until the last drive. But I want to play the over here, Steve, at 51 and a half. I'm just a little concerned about the weather, you know, uh, Hurricane Ian coming up the Gulf, maybe leaking into the East Coast as the weekend comes closer. If there's wind and rain in this one, it could still go over because the way these teams run, like in their short passing situation, right? I mean, Josh Allen, if this secondary of the Ravens, which I was high on entering the season because they're healthy, you know, they got Marcus Williams there now, but leading into the season, I felt that way. Now I'm like, oh, shit. I mean, they, they are really – they did. They let Mac Jones look pretty darn good in that game until the very end. Then they made some plays at the end, but they're just playing a little undisciplined right now. Maybe some of that is Don Wink Martindale not there anymore. I don't know because the, the Giants secondary is, is, is playing yeah. over their head. You know, that's not a good secondary for the Giants. They're playing pretty well. Um, so anyway, uh, you know, we'll see if this Ravens secondary can bring it together. But if the weather isn't significant, I just don't see how they can stop Josh Allen. I mean, they could barely stop Mac Jones. So how are they going to stop Josh Allen? And it doesn't look like anyone's going to stop Lamar Jackson and the Ravens offense right now. I feel fairly confident that they're going to be putting up, you know, on, on average, like 28 to 30 points a game. I mean, that's what they're doing so far. And, you know, the bills are still banged up on defense. So, Lean to the over here. Probably, probably not going to play a side. Great game to watch. Um, keep an eye on the weather. Chargers at the Texans. Oh, boy. Texans only four-and-a-half-point dogs. Now, why is that? We'll talk about it. Totals are 44. They're only four-and-a-half-point dogs for, for a few reasons. Uh, I mean, first of all, you know, the Chargers' offensive line between Lindsley, who, who is you know, questionable to play this week, and uh, who's the other guy? Uh, Staley. Um, you know, they're, they're seasoned, seasoned uh, left guard, I believe, now out for the season. They got some injuries, right? Keenan Allen is working through an injury. Obviously, Justin Herbert with the ribs. Um, who knows how, how spry he's going to be on Sunday. And this is a Texans team at Houston that last year beat the Chargers 41-29 to to everybody's shock. Um, so that kind of makes me like the Chargers, excuse me, a little bit more here as I burp into the mic. But uh, I don't know, because these Texans can be feisty. They stay in games. Davis Mills at home is going to be more comfortable. They didn't, you know, they didn't play well against the Bears really either. I mean, they're they're not a good football team. And they're certainly weak against the run. And the Chargers have not been able to run yet at all. Like Austin Eckler is just a pass catching back at this point. So if they can get the run game going, big if behind the offensive line, the way it looks now, but if they can get the run game going and take the ball out of Justin Herbert's hand a little bit more, give him, you know, ease him into the game a little better, they can control this game with their defense still. I'm just, God, I'm not eager to bet on the Chargers with their situation right now, Steve. And even though the Texans are home dogs, they're probably still either 32, 31, or 30, you know, one of the worst teams in the league. So um hard to trust the side here what do you got yeah i mean houston they they don't win games i think davis mills is one six and one at home i think he's one in five on one in six now on the road they, they don't win games but i mean they can cover uh four and a half that, that's a really low line here and, yep. that, and that and that raises a lot of questions so you know how how well is herbert going to be and i think there's just too many questions to really know and trust you know we saw what happened last week now give credit to the jags maybe the jags are really good or you know maybe maybe herbert is is putting up with a lot of pain that you know they're 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 not right right now and additionally it looks like bosa is going to be out as well with the major groin injury so i kind of might stay off this game but with the line being so low it looks really tempting to take the Chargers that I might go the other way and just lean on Houston a little bit here. Well, you talked about the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is a fascinating case study in NFL betting 
So I'm going to set the table here for you, Steve, and you you give us all the answers. You give us all the answers. Oh, <laughs> all right. Jacksonville Jaguars off two impressive wins, 24-0 over the Colts, 38-10 to on the road against the Chargers. On the road again at Philly, Philly six-and-a-half-point favorites at home, totals at 48. And the reason why this is tough for me, Steve, setting the table for you, is there aren't any reasons – to bet against the Philadelphia Eagles right now. I mean, mm-hmm. people can say, oh, the second half. Oh, second half. Yeah. Uh, they don't really play in the second half. They don't have to really play in the second half. They, they dominate teams on all sides of the ball in the first half. And then, yeah, they coast a little bit. But then you got the Jacksonville Jaguars. How good is this team instantly early in the season? Uh, they, they're obviously going to play hard if they're not going to win straight up. Really tough here. Almost a touchdown. What do you got in this one? Yeah, I just wonder if it's as simple as looking at Philadelphia's uh, line on the road last week against Washington being six and a half. Now they're coming back home and they're favored by six and a half. And they're doing it against a team that Washington beat. And it's only at six and a half. So, you know, anyone that's just new looking at this would be like, well, that that looks like a small line. I would just take Philly on that. Right. So that kind of raises a flag to me that, well, we would think coming into the year that this line would be a a little bigger, but you know, Jacksonville has shown a lot. They it's hard to shut out a team, regardless how bad the Colts played. It is hard in the NFL to shut out a team and they, and shutting out the Colts at home and then going on the road and taking care of business with the chargers. I'm not so sure that even if they had a healthy Herbert, that game, that Jaguars just weren't destined to win that game because they came out hot because chargers still have a very, formidable defense um but that's a tough stretch looking looking at it now would we have ever thought Colts are going to uh Jags are going to beat the Colts then go to the Chargers beat the Chargers and now come to Philly and beat Philly I I don't think so that's a lot of travel I think that plays more of a factor than we'd like to think having to go to LA then back to Jacksonville then up to Philly and we look what Philly did they just had to drive down to Washington and right back up so they're getting a lot more rest, I would say. They've been shown to be very dominant in the first half. And, you know, yeah, they have let off the gas the second half, but they're letting teams in the red zone, but they're still stopping them in the red zone. Now, we have that narrative that, you know, you're going to talk to as well. We have Doug Peterson, old mm-hmm. team. You know, is it there's going to be more motivation to get his team, team, you know, up. But this Jaguars team is different. And I do think that Philly letting up in the second half is going to lead to opportunities for them to be backdoored. We saw it week one. It just hasn't happened yet in the last two weeks because we didn't have as competent of offenses with Kirk Cousins just really forcing the ball in Darius Slay's direction, not spreading the ball out, and Carson Wentz just being a statue. Jaguars seem like they're a lot more well-rounded to be able to pull off that type of backdoor especially if they're down down by 10 and can come down and get a late touchdown this is this is the nfl it's hard you're not going to be able to substantially go through these games and not score a single point in the second half and still win it's not sustainable and philly hasn't shown that they're able to do that these last two weeks so right now i kind of lean on jacksonville because that uh i think that Philly's second half is going to catch up with them. Yeah, regression has to come eventually, just in the sense that the Eagles get a little more humbled the closer game. Don't know if it's going to come here, but I'll just say this. You know, I noticed this in the NBA a lot, Steve, where teams that travel a lot, like the Miami Heat used to do this really well, like in previous seasons under uh, Spolstra, where if you have a good leader and a good coach, and if, if there's like a good community feel on the team too, which I think that, you know, Doug Peterson does that well. I mean, the players seem more confident. They seem like they're having more fun. Staying on the road isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? You're, you're, you're away from the family, maybe away from the wife and kids, away from responsibilities, obligations. You stay on the road. You kind of come together as a team. So that can sometimes work to a team's benefit. I think, you know, sometimes we talk about travel and automatically think it's negative, but, if, if they have the right, you know, team chemistry and coaching, it could work to be a positive. 
Um, another thing, I'm glad you said that about last week's game with the Commanders because, you know, you got to give the Eagles credit. I mean, they, they're, they're not doing anything wrong. You know, they're, they're controlling the game in the trenches. The stats are there. I mean, they're sacking quarterback. They sacked Carson Wentz nine fucking times. Like, they're, they're dominating these teams in the first half. I will say, though, I do, think, I do think a significant part of that is the Washington Commanders as an organization and just where they are right now because they were just giving Carson Wentz, and, you know, you know this, Steve, from watching him for so long with the Eagles, these long developing plays, you know, like get the ball out of his hands. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not – they're just not giving him a lot to work with. And you're going up against an Eagles defensive front. That's obviously really good. That's going to get after Carson Wentz, like make it easier for the guy. At least, I mean, you have to make it really easy for Carson. And I think that's his downside, but this should, this is a more buttoned up organization right now in the Jaguars. So I don't think it's going to come as easy for Philly. And I could still see Philly covering this line because of how dominant they can be. So uh, I'm probably going to be off of this. Steve, but it's it's fascinating. All right, let's go on to the Seattle Seahawks against the uh, Detroit Lions. This line was six and a half when it came out. Now it's down to four and a half. A lot of people jumping on the Seahawks. Too too much of a favorite there are the Lions, according to many, or else this wouldn't have moved down that much. Totals at fifty. Um, this one's tough because you got Swift is out of this game. Amon St. Brown is out of this game. So some playmakers that the Lions have had are not going to be in. They're losing some speed. You know, Jamal Williams is a, is a good running back, though. He's just a change of pace, right? He's he's going to be a power, a more power running back. Um, that being said, they should still easily be able to control the, the, the uh, line on offense against the Seattle Seahawks defensive line. That really doesn't exist. I mean, teams are able to do whatever they want against the Seahawks after week one. So I still got to favor the Lions here. I just I think the adjustment is correct. The line is probably exactly where I would have it. Lean to the over too. It's a little too predictable, but like if you're going up against a defense like the Seahawks, how are they going to stop the Lions? And then the Lions aren't exactly an elite defense either, right? They they let the Vikings come back. They let the Eagles do whatever they want against them. So uh, lean to the over on this one. It's in a dome. At least you have that side of it, but no play on the side for me right now. What do you got, Steve? Yeah, it was a heartbreaking loss for the Lions, I think. Like, they, they dominated oh, yeah. that. They looked really good against Vikings. And, you know, it's, it's growing pains as this team is getting better. There, it's not too often. I mean, this is – I can't believe by week four, the Lions are favored in two of four games now. You know, b- b- prior to this year, their last time they were favored was week 11 in 2020. So for the Lions, I mean, that just shows how much improvement they have made now that they're already favored again. And it's kind of a substantial number. I mean, four and a half, you know, for the Lions, I feel like this is probably one of the bigger spreads they've had in a long time. So that tells me something. And you know, Gino might not be the absolute worst after, you know, watching him this three weeks. We we really wrote him off, especially his Jet during his Jets years. But I think those are completely different organizations. That The Jets organization is just awful. And coming into Seattle is probably definitely a better situation for him. And, and they, have a, they have some talent around him, so they're able to move the ball a little bit. But even with Swift at, uh, not going to be a go, uh, the backup Williams is – as we all saw in Hard Knocks, he's, he's probably one of the, the biggest leaders on that offense, motivating yeah, that team. And he runs hard, very hard. So, and, and Deuce Staley as their as their running back coach, they'll, they'll get up, they'll be able, they'll they'll be okay. Definitely have some depth at that running back core. And Amon Ron St. Brown, it's just an absolute beast. And yeah, he got banged up a little bit with his ankle, but they're monitoring it. Looks like he's going to still be good to go. And I just think with this team, they're gonna have they're gonna have short term memory. You know, they're they were used to losing. They don't want to lose, and now they're in a spot where they're favored, and they know this is a very winnable game. I think they're gonna come out on fire, and we're gonna see kind of the same type of team that we saw against uh, Washington week two. Yeah, and the, the one thing that makes me nervous is that I feel like a lot of people are gonna be on the Lions and Survivor, right? And we've seen the first three weeks how crazy Survivor has been. Um, so. I mean, I think it's a good choice for a survivor. I, I just, 
No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Jets at the Steelers. Steelers are three and a half point favorites at home. Totals at 40 and a half. What do you got here? Really quick going back to that. It's, it's actually funny that at minus four and a half, I'm like, yeah, I'll take that all day. But when it comes to my survivor, like just having to pick a winner, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> like, that's yeah, right. just, well, exactly. exactly. It's so weird to me how that works. But I'm like, at four and a half, I'm like, yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. Probabilities, right? Yeah. Uh, but Pitt, I mean, Pitt. Uh, first of all, the Thursday night football, I didn't think Mitch Trubisky looked that bad. A lot. I mean, social media, everyone says going off about how we need to put Kenny Pickett in and all this. But, I mean, we look back to last year with Big Ben, and the talk was Big Ben's old. He needs – is slow. He needs to retire. And then we look at Mitchell Trubisky, and the offense isn't moving. And Well, maybe it's the – not the players. Maybe it's the offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. You really think bringing in Pickett's going to automatically just change it all right away? I mean, right. there was key drops in that Browns game that Deontay Johnson was not catching, that that they missed out drives, they missed out opportunities. This is a game where I think they've had time off. They're playing the Jets. The Jets should very well realistically be 0-3 against the spread right now, and handedly, too. They That game they came back and won against the Browns, that will never happen for the Jets again, maybe in our lifetime. <laughs> The way that happened, but this is a game where Steelers can get right, get back to two and two. That's going to be their focus. They're all in. They're going to be one game at a time right now. You know they hung in there with the Patriots. Think at that time, with Belichick was able probably to get after Trubisky a little bit, and just out coach them in that spot. Right here, I don't think Joe Flacco and this Steelers against this Steelers team. They're going to be able to get after him. They have a history. One thing I'm going to look at is just make sure Minka Fitzpatrick is a go. He's in uh, concussion protocol, but he should be able to clear it since that game was on a Thursday. But right now I'm, I'm leaning for Pittsburgh to cover against the Jets. Yeah, you know, this is one of those plays, Steve, and we talk about this, we text about this a lot, right, where we have instincts, we have feelings about these games. I, I, who knows what it's based off of? It could just be a situational thing. Um, but I think the right side is the Steelers. And there's not too much evidence. I mean, the Steelers have not looked like a good team. You know, Mr. Bisky, I agree. He didn't look bad last night. I mean, he, God, he looked like Joe Montana at certain points during that game. He was fitting the ball in the first half. Second half, you know, started to trail off a little bit. But the thing for the Jets is – uh, so apparently we're going to know Zach Wilson is coming back within like the next 24 hours or so. So, okay, we'll see. I mean, but if Zach Wilson plays for me, that's even more reason to bet on the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this Jets left tackle, George Fan was just placed on IR as well. That offensive line is getting more and more depleted. There ain't no TJ Watt there, but that's still a pretty good defensive front for the Steelers, Cam Hayward, et cetera. And now their offensive line is depleted. Maybe Zach Wilson comes to town. We know how his decision-making is. I agree with you, Steve. This feels like a get-right moment for the Pittsburgh Steelers, maybe even a survivor play. You know, you don't have to take the three-and-a-half here. But three-and-a-half is tricky, right, because we're not getting the hook. It's going the other way on the underdog. Uh, But the Steelers are at home. They lost their first game at home to the Patriots. They want to correct that problem, too. They usually play really well in Pittsburgh. So the right side feels like it's the Steelers. I'm just not necessarily, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, overly trigger, trigger happy here. I, you know, I would, the Jets, the Jets could cover this line if it's Flacco, I think, because at least Flacco knows how to get the ball downfield a little bit. Total, I'll say this, the total is, I think it's, I think it's a little too low. The Jets have been able to at least put up some points and the steel, I think there could be turnovers in this game and turnovers can flip totals really quick, but it's, you know, 40 and a half is what it is. All right, let's go. Washington Commanders at the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys, three and a half point favorites at home. Totals 42 and a half. Okay, Steve, the weird thing about this for me is the three and a half on the Commanders is juiced. We've seen a little line movement in favor of the Commanders. I want to I wanna just play the Cowboys here because I think you texted me this um, before or like yesterday. 
Like, how's Carson Wentz going to do against Micah Parsons, against that Cowboys defensive line? I mean, he's he's soft as it gets. If he, if he gets all shaken up, he's not going to do well. But eventually, the commanders have to perform a little better. This is an age-old rivalry. I mean, I don't know. It's just like there's going to be a play-on spot on the commanders eventually, even the worst teams in the league, right? They have moments, spots to play on them. Cowboys traditionally, historically, when the Cowboys are high in themselves, they turn around and they're clumsy. So for intangible reasons, I like the commanders. But on paper, Cooper Rush looks good. He's confident. He's putting the ball in tight spaces. The Dallas Cowboys defense hasn't allowed 20 points yet to an offense. They're good, better than people think. They're at home. So kind of undecided about this one, Steve. What do you got? Yeah, I'm just looking at it right now is when you're a backup quarterback and you have zero expectations, you're playing with house money. Now, I think we're at past the threshold where Cooper Cooper Rush now has expectations and he's favored for his first time in his career. So that can bring on a lot of pressure. So that is one angle to look at here. How can he respond to that? We saw Dallas defense get after Daniel Jones, who absolutely destroyed him. Carson Wentz has to get rid of the ball. He just has to. He's standing there like a statue against Philly. So, right, that's what we're looking at right now. We just saw him go against a defensive line that can get absolutely after you, and this line is still only at three and a half. That, to me, kind of speaks. We would take Dallas, watch this game, feel pretty confident going into it, and for no reason, Carson Wentz, (laughs) Will just piss us off and he'll show up and play well that that's what it feels like in this spot right now because that's what Carson Wentz do we just missed it by one week we thought last week was the week where he was going to show up against Philly it was this week against Dallas yeah that's what I meant about the other instance of where that should have happened like that was a great spot for Washington great spot like show out you're at home Carson against your old team let's go and just mm-hmm. you talk about shitting the bed. Oh, my God. Uh, that was uh, – I mean, they didn't have a point on the board until, what, the fourth quarter? And it was a safety. Safety. Uh, yep. Despicable. Yep. So, all right. Browns and Falcons. I like that take, by the way, Steve. I think I think you're onto something there. Browns at the Falcons. Falcons are one-point underdogs at home, which is another interesting line. Totals are 49-and-a-half. Yeah, interesting to see. We saw the news with Miles Garrett. Uh Fortunately, I don't think he sustained any injuries, but we don't know what his playing status will be for this week. So just uh, keep an eye out on that and how that progresses. Uh, but the thing is, the, this Falcons team, they're 3-0 they're three three against the spread, and, and they are very, very close to being a 2-1 and one team right now. Likewise, looking at the Browns, they could very well be a 1-2 and two team or a 3-0 and oh team. So we have kind of jockeying positions with – these teams not really knowing their true identity yet falcons to me are kind of like the lions in a sense that they aren't going to go away this is a team that's a lot different than the falcons of last year with matt ryan where you could predictably be like oh this is going to be a letdown spot and they're going to get blown up by 20 points whereas this falcons team they're going to keep coming at you and they're going to keep playing and for them to have a line this low at home, I think you might have to lean on the Falcons on this one because looking at it, we would think the Browns should be able to go in there, lean on their run game, their defense, and shut down the Falcons. Shouldn't this be a bigger spread on the Browns? And you have to ask yourself why. And I think it's because this Falcons team is actually possibly a little better than we give them credit for. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought, Steve. It's like the Browns are 2-1. and one. They showed out really well on Thursday Night Football. They have 10 days of rest in between these two games. So they're rested. They're able to overly plan for the Falcons. And yet they're only still one-point favorites. Even with Miles Garrett, if he's a little banged up, their secondary, their run game, Nick Chubb is going to get his. It's not like the Falcons are going to stop Nick Chubb. I mean, I don't think so anyway. But this Falcons team is very interesting, and 
the fact that they, you know, sports books are altering the line this much to where they're giving them this much credit. I mean, essentially it's saying that the Browns are only three points better than the Falcons. So either the, either the, the books don't think the Browns are as good as a lot of people do, or they think the Falcons are probably better than a lot of people think. I think it's probably the latter. They hang in these games. So it's, it's a tough one for the, for all of us to figure out at the same time, this 49 and a half, the Browns three and zero against the spread to the over the Falcons can put up points. Now miles Garrett might not be in. Um, I mean, I don't know. Do we know if he's going to be in this game, Steve? Like, did he get injured enough? Yeah. Last I saw was there, there's just been no determination yet on his status for this week. Right. It's like non-threatening or non-life-threatening injuries, but doesn't mean that he's okay, right? He could still be injured. So, um, so anyway, uh, yeah, this, this, I, I, plus one is just tough, right? Because you're expecting the team to win. And Jacoby Brissett has played well. The run game is good. So this one's tough. I mean, I, I, I just, I hope it's not luring us into taking the Falcons. I'll put it that way. All right, let's go Cardinals at the Panthers. Cardinals, one point dogs on the road. Totals of 43. Um, this is one of those bets that I, I saw early in the week and I, I didn't think it made sense. I think the Panthers have to be favorites here because they're at home you know, they both have the same record. The Panthers finally won last week, but Baker Mayfield for the second week in a row threw under 50% completion percentage. And the Panthers were pretty lucky to win that game. Even with a lot of things going their way, it was still close at the end. We talked about the fact that they were outgained by the Saints turned it over, or, or they, they caused a few turnovers. They didn't turn it over, so credit to them for that. I mean, Steve and I were all over this game last week, that game last week, but now you got the Cardinals and the Panthers, and this is just the Kyler Murray story. Like every other week, it feels like it's going to be a different story with them, and a lot of it is going to be based off of how well Kyler Murray plays. He threw the ball for almost 60 attempts last week. Too much is on his shoulders, but against the Panthers team that – is sketchy on defense to say the least. And against Baker Mayfield, you talk about disparity in quarterback talent, like pure quarterback talent. If this is a one score game and Kyler Murray has the ball at the end of the game, the Cardinals are going to win. And that's just, that's how I'm approaching this. Um, it's interesting, though, that the Panthers are minus one juiced, money line is juiced. So I don't know. Maybe they just want more people to bet on the Panthers here. But I'm going to probably play on the Cardinals in this spot, Steve. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, personally, I think it's a pretty gross game. Which quarterback do you think is better? You could argue it all day. I really, I really think that. Uh, I'm personally not too high on Kyler. I think he has the ability, though, in this game to have a lot more upside and be a playmaker versus what, what we know Baker can be. The Cardinals team as a whole just don't know if I can trust them. Same with the Panthers team. They're coming off of a nice win. It's a small, small, uh, small line at home. I just think these are two bad football teams. And with Ky Kyler's upside, though, I do lean a little bit more on Arizona to be able to maybe make those bigger plays to ultimately win. All right, let's go Denver Broncos at Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders, 0-3 Raiders, two-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Totals of 46. What do you got here? Did the Raiders start out 3-0 last year? Were they a 3-0 team? They might have been. They might have been. I think they, I think I can they look might that have up been. Isn't that pretty funny, though? If they did, they they all they did was go out this offseason, add it to Vontae Adams, and then they started out 0-3. It's just funny how things work out. But they cannot go 0-4. This team cannot go 0-4. They have to get right, and it has to be now. We saw last – Sunday night, I mean, Russell Wilson did not look sharp, did not look accurate. If you've never watched football before in your life and you came in and said, watch this game and you watch Russell Wilson, you would be shocked to know his accolades and how good of a player and his stats when he was with Seattle because he does not look like that at all. The Broncos defense at least is looking good. They, they were all over the 49ers. They are they're tough to handle, but – Raiders have to get off to a fast start. We saw last week they were very slow to get going, tried coming back in late, weren't able to get a two-point conversion to tie it. 
So if they can get off to a fast start at home, then I think they're going to be able to take care of the Broncos because Broncos are not effectively moving the ball whatsoever. And plus, if you really want to go back even further, could be a little bit of an angle of uh, McDaniel's revenge factor. Uh, coach, he used to coach for the Broncos, and when he coached for the Broncos, we saw how much he was invested, how excited he was to beat the Patriots as a head coach. He acted like that was his Super Bowl. So this could be one of those spots for him to not only get his first home uh, first win of the season, but also beat a former team that he used to coach for. Yeah, I like that, Steve. No, I mean, not only did the Raiders start 3-0 and last year, but it was against three good teams, uh, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Miami. So the, the script has flipped, that's for sure. And, you know, it, it, it speaks to coaching, right? I mean, you get – your team only got better. Your team only got better, especially with Devontae Adams. And now you're, you know, they also have Chandler Jones, right? And Chandler Jones, that's kind of the story of his career. Some years elite, some games elite, sometimes not so much. Uh, but that being said, totally agree. Must must win. It feels like a must win. Listen, you still in the AFC West. The Chargers are only one, are one and two, right? So mm-hmm. they're still within distance. The yep. Chiefs are two and one, but the Broncos are a phony two and one, if you ask me. That they, they should not have won that game against the 49ers. One of our circuit picks last week, 49ers uh, grossly outgained them on yards per play, just didn't amount to anything. You know, sure, sure as hell pissed me off, Steve. But Broncos got it done, and I like that their offense got going at the end of that game. Maybe that could connect to this game, like a little more rhythm, a little more confidence mm-hmm. in their offense, but – this is a game that the Raiders have to win. I lean pretty strongly to the to the Raiders. I, I think I'd rather take their money line here than two and a half. It's a, probably going to be a close divisional game. They're letting teams hang in, that's for sure. But they probably should have won last week too, Steve. I mean, the Raiders in the red zone just kept on making mistakes. You know, field goals, turnovers. It was. It's just not a, a disciplined operation right now. So kind of like the Kirk Cousins story with the Vikings, right? Not always disciplined. Kind of like the Cowboys, not only not always discipline. This shit usually goes back to coaching, but there, if there's a reason for the whole team to get up and be more disciplined, they'll play better. So uh, I like the Raiders in this one for now. Patriots at the Packers. Packers, 10.5-point favorites at home against Brian Hoyer with Mac Jones now out for the Patriots. Totals at 40.5. Is this a big favorite that we got to play on, Steve? We were lucky with big favorites last year. Well, not lucky, but we played on them. We weren't afraid to play on them. Thing is, the Patriots' defense can be formidable. The Packers' offense doesn't look like the Ravens' offense right now. They're still kind of clunky. Of course, they faced the Bucks' defense last week, so the Bucs are going to limit a lot of teams. But I think you know Brian Hoyer is not the worst backup in the NFL. That's for sure. He has a lot of experience. I think he could keep the Patriots in this game. I'm not e- eager to bet either side. But if the Packers do have more offensive success, then I have to lean towards the over a little bit here. But tough game. I mean, tough game to figure out with Brian Hoyer at quarterback. What do you got here, Steve? Yeah, I mean, it's at 10.5. And, and it kind of shows how the uh, the league is starting to even out a little bit. Last year, I feel like we had a ton of – massive spreads each week and you know we had a lot of COVID issues as well so that played into it a little bit but you know we're not seeing the double digit as many as we 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 did last year and I tend to kind of like them a little bit more they're they're that big for a reason Packers are coming off of a really solid win on the road and Aaron Rodgers, this is what he does. He's a he's a regular season player. He loves putting up his stats, and things always seem to kind of align for him. It just so happens that Mac Jones is out. Now Brian Hoare is coming in. But these are the type of things where, you know, Brian Hoare, Hoyer, he's a, he's a he's a veteran in this league. He might be able to not make as many mistakes as like someone like Mac Jones does. He could sustain maybe longer drives. And this could be one of those iffy games where he just does his best to keep them in it and close and Packers aren't really able to get out and take control of this game for a double digit lead. I I do lean on the Packers to win, 
but I wouldn't be shocked if Patriots were able to stay in this one to cover a 10 and a half. Yeah, Patriots still one and two as well, right? Early in the season, you got to fight hard to get a win here, even if it doesn't seem possible. All right, Chiefs at the Buccaneers. Buccaneers, two-point underdogs at home, but probably won't be at home with the hurricane coming. We'll see what happens with that. They're practicing in Miami. We know that. Uh, totals at 45. What do you got here, Steve? Well, and that's just it right now. I mean, we have so many games that when you have a situation like this with are they going to play at their home stadium, all these moving parts, hurricane, whatnot, where are they going to play? Um, this is a type of game that you could maybe just stay away from and enjoy and watch just because I don't like that. I don't like when the teams have to move. I don't like when there's extra things involved. I mean, you are getting Tom Brady off a loss, getting points. That's never a bad thing. Over time, that will tell you you should take that probably because his record obviously in that situation is probably very substantial. Granted, the Chiefs are coming off of a very bad loss, have the uh, Super Bowl revenge factor as well. But for me, I'm going to look other way, way places. I have better feelings, instincts on other games without having to deal with now figuring out a hurricane in the weather. So I like the Chiefs in this one. Um, at least that's the way that I'm leaning for now. I still got to look into the way that that Bucks offense operated last weekend. Um, you know, I saw the end of that game. Obviously, Brady almost makes his comeback, you know. They, they blew that two-point conversion. I mean, a delay of game at the end of the game was just like, I mean, that's pretty awful, especially for a Tom Brady-led offense. They would have got that two-point conversion, Steve, and maybe we're having a different conversation about the Packers and Bucks right now because that one probably should have went into overtime. Um, that being said, I have this game circled for the Chiefs, obviously, two years ago, Super Bowl revenge, right? And it was the Bucks defense, which is playing really well right now. It was the Bucks defense that really won that game for the Bucs. They dominated the Chiefs in that one. They really limited Patrick Mahomes. Eric Bieniemy yelling and shouting at Mahomes at the end of the first half last week. Four egregious special teams errors in that in that game against the Colts. A lot of a lot for me to think that the Chiefs are going to button up for this one, get extra creative on offense, like just bring out all the works for this one. Get their revenge, you know, go three and one and get the hell out of there. And, you know, right now the Bucks offense just isn't operating at a high level. I mean, this could be a week where, you know, the Mike Evans and the Julio Jones of the world. I mean, Mike Evans is going to come back. He was only suspended, but Julio Jones, maybe he comes back. Haven't heard about Chris Godwin. But even so, this is a group of wide receivers that hasn't played a lot together. And Leonard Fournette kind of looks slow right now, doesn't look that great. And Chiefs defense isn't bad. So I'm leaning towards the Chiefs, especially because of their offense. I think they put things together. Two kind of iffy performances against the Chargers and definitely against the Colts. Time for some positive regression for the Chiefs. So I I lean Chiefs minus two. Slight lean to the over, though, because I think eventually these Bucs games have to go over. They have to crack a little bit. And then if Brady is coming back in this game, which is what – the game narrative I expect, then there's probably going to be more points. All righty, Rams at the 49ers. Final game, Steve, Monday Night Football. And we know it, Steve. We always say it. The 49ers own the Rams. The 49ers were one of the teams that uh, I think they faced the Rams in that Week 18 uh, game last year, didn't they, to get into the playoffs? Yeah. Uh, and, and I believe they were one of our final circuit picks um, that week. So, you can rely usually on the 49ers against the Rams. Uh, Shanahan always kind of out outperforming McVay, especially at home. However, I didn't like what I saw from Jimmy G, man. I didn't like what I saw from that offense. Just they gave the game to the Broncos. They didn't do anything that really impressed. Uh, you know, usually they can run all over the Rams. That's what they do. That's what they did last year. Tremendous running game that – you know, with Jimmy G at the helm, but Jimmy G didn't have to do much. Mm. Now there's some injuries to their offensive line. It's tough, Steve. I mean, Trent Williams out is huge. Uh, maybe this is the spot where the Rams finally prevail in the regular season because things add up for them. But we know historically what happens between these two teams. Like, is Shanahan, like, does Shanahan just think he's going to eke out games without showing any creativity? 
And then he just like whips it all out against the Rams. Like, I don't know. But this one, I want to bet on the 49ers because of what we've seen over and over again. Like, don't overthink it. But this could be a pretty good spot for the Rams, who finally looked a little more refined last week against the Cardinals. Yeah, it's pretty wild, actually, to look at this line and see that San Francisco's favored because last season, those when those two teams met, they were never favored. San Francisco was always the dog. And, and now we're seeing San Francisco this year favored at home especially after coming off a bad loss like that mm-hmm. against the Broncos. So it kind of says a lot. It kind of says a lot about the lines and how they're being made right now. I I think it is a almost maybe an auto bet that San Francisco just don't even think about it because this line, we would think before even looking that Rams would be the favorite in this game based on what we've seen, especially like – Jimmy G looking slow, losing their offensive te- uh, um, lineman in, in Williams, not looking very polished. And, yes, Ram, Rams uh, haven't been uh, – they didn't cover week two, but they took care of business in Arizona. It's not always the easiest place to play in Arizona. And they, they did take care of business. And now they're going on the road. Maybe that's the thing. They're going on the road second week in a row. So it's just interesting to me that it's that that 49ers are favored in this spot and i think it says a lot i think a lot of people are going to see the rams see that they're super bowl winners and play on them so i think we just have to not think about it just go san francisco and how shanahan performs against them yeah i mean it's only money it's only money it's all- steve let's just, let's just go for it <laughs> uh, by the way steve we got to talk about this before we end this pod can you tell the audience what your parlay was Oh, what the part? Oh, let me pull it up really quick. Okay. How much you how much you put down and how much you won? It was, that a, was, it was a ten dollar free bet parlay. I was up visiting my mom in Pennsylvania. Um, <laughs> let me pull this thing up really quick. But no, I mean, I had a, I had a a good uh good week. I had a good insight for some of these games. You know, like anything with parlays, you have to get lucky. You have to get the right bounces, right? Um, oh God, where did I put it? I mean, I know what it is offhand. I can tell you all the games. I, I can't. I can't tell you all the teams, but I can tell you. Uh, what you know. Oh, yeah! It, went, it was ten dollars to win seventy-seven hundred dollars, which is <laughs> and, and it and it all hit. But you know, for me, I'm I'm soft, and I hedged it though. So I did hedge it. I didn't want to have to sweat Monday night, so it was a, a profitable thirty-five hundred dollar parlay for myself. But I will say really quick what it was. It was the the Colts money line, Bengals money line, Panthers plus two and a half, Vikings money line. So you got lucky on that one right there. Especially. Yeah. Well, in the Colts especially. Titans money line, I was pretty confident on that one. Uh, Bears money line, for some reason, was confident on the Bears all week. Uh, <laughs> well, now you got the Cowboys in there to finish it. And the Broncos. Cowboys money line, Jacksonville money line, Packers money line, and Broncos money line. So I got lucky on the Broncos. Well, the well, the Jacksonville one. When the Jaguars started whooping ass, you must have been like, "Oh, this has legs." <laughs> oh yeah, no, it did have legs, but that was just on Fanduel. I had another one on my bookie site, so it, everything went. It was just so I actually hit two parlays last week. So now it's not it's not like bonus money anymore, right? It, it's it's like actual cash now, right? Oh yeah, it's already in my bank account. <laughs> I was I was gonna say, if, I mean, it's, if you nail a ten game. Oh yeah, oh, you know, it can, no, it comes back to you. you no, know, it's money. It comes back. Yeah, yeah, that has to be money at that point. That's awesome. Yeah. You gotta yeah. love stories like that. I mean, uh, I I usually use my bonus money to do shit like that too. I can't say it hits very often. So I, I was trailing that all weekend with you, Steve. Good to see you. you. Good to, week uh, for you. Uh, you let's go really quick on that right. uh, on that parlay. I uh, I had it at twenty dollars and I changed it to ten. <laughs> Fifteen k. It could have actually been a little bit better, but you can't get greedy with it. So that's a DraftKings contest. That's a win in the DraftKings yeah, contest. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. Well, you know, they're starting to at some of these foreign books too, like even Bovada, which I still have to use. Maryland is close. Apparently, they're close to approving some of these online sports books, but um, right. only recently are they allowing same game parlays, which I really appreciate because. Uh, I see people hitting these same game parlays and I'm not saying it's easy, but if you have a narrative that you believe in, it's, it becomes more possible if, mm-hmm. you know, that narrative starts to hit. Right. 
So um, we're to, we don't advocate for big parlays. Don't no. You know, as as you can see, Steve was pretty cautious with that. Took it down from twenty to ten. <laughs> I mean, it was a. Uh, I mean, the thing is too. I mean, it was it was free. Uh, it was free money. It was the. You know what I mean? That's why. Yeah, that's exactly. why they won't let you cash it out on Fanduel because they know that's what people do with the free money that they give them. They're gonna yep. just put in absurd parlays that you can hit big on, and people yep. get lucky. Then that you know that's all it is. I I just had a little bit of a a slight edge for for that. Yeah, and and, and yeah, and there's a reason why FanDuel and these other books broadcast and promote those wins too, right? They they want you to do that every single time. They know they're mm-hmm. going to collect. You know, ten dollars times a million is a lot of money. So, oh, uh, you know, and that's what they do all the time. So. Uh, just a little, we're not advocating for that, but that's a pretty badass win with some bonus money for Steve. All right, let's wrap this baby up, Steve. Big balls, bet of the week. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, there's really not too many. Uh, I, th- I think the league is starting to level out right now. I think a lot of favorites are favorites for a reason. Uh, if I had to pick a big balls bet, uh, I'll give you, yeah, I, I'm going to lean maybe on Houston to do it again. They showed that they could beat a Chargers team last year that we thought were getting on point in December and they blew them out. And this is a banged up Chargers team. Maybe it's something how Houston matches up with them. Maybe Mills will have confidence going against this team because he, this is his, I think this is his only win as a starter possibly, or no, no, this is his second win. He has two wins, I think as a starter. So this is one of the teams that he's beaten before four and a half is a low line. I just think at home this this is a this is a good spot for Houston to possibly be able to beat the Chargers. Yeah, and I'll say um, I agree about Houston. I think that's the possible. So the rule to this big balls bet too is it has to be an underdog of four or more points. So Houston Hard qualifies. Yep, Houston qualifies. I, I I agree that that's a possibility. The other one that I have to say is a possibility is I do think this is the first week that a team is going to punch back at the Philadelphia Eagles. So depends how they respond, right? They're at home. So they have a great setup to respond well. But we haven't seen another team like put up the first points, right? Or go right back down on the um down the field on them or or start even with the same intensity that Philly has. I mean, they've come out the gate hot. So we'll see if Jacksonville has the same motivation and how the Eagles respond. I expect the Eagles to win that game. And and I would have to lean towards them covering actually, but I think it's possible. All right, with that, long show as usual, all 16 games. We thank you so much for joining us every single week. We're getting some love every time we send out this podcast. All the people out there who comment and say really great things about me and Steve, you know, you wait for this show. We so appreciate you. We fucking love this stuff. We love doing it every single week. We're tired and we still, it's automatic. You know, we just love doing it. We love having the conversation. So thank you once again. Laying the points with Farley Bets and Bobo Bets. Steve, you know what to do. Send us out of here. Let's get some damn wins. Let's fucking go. We gotta get we gotta get circa back going. We gotta get circa back going. So let's fucking go this week. This is where we ascend. See you later, guys. See you guys.